0: Welcome back to the Fangirl Gathering Podcast. Once again, Rachel is gone, so I have my good friend Colin from the Hopelessly Excited Podcast. I'm Melissa, and today we will be talking about the second in the Maisie Williams two-parter, The Woman Who Lived. Colin, go to town.
1: Is it a two-parter? Is it a two-parter?
0: Ooh, good question. Let's just dig right in. <laughs>
1: We're not wasting any time. It's nice to meet you all, by the way. I'm Colin. Um, I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made that these are two uh, very separate episodes that just have a connection. Connected by title and connected by that character. Mm -hmm. It's clear that one made the other possible, but this isn't a direct continuation of the same story.
0: Right. I feel like this could have been... And I heard this in another podcast, so I have to give credit where credit is due. This is... Someone's theory from the Verity podcast. Well done. This could have come like later in the season. This could yeah, come, this could have gone anywhere. Like, like the Lodger, like the with James Corden. You had the Lodger, right? right? And mm. then it came back, and you totally could have done that with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that might have been stronger actually, since this is an entire season of two parters.
1: Yeah, I I'm glad I'm glad it came here. Uh, I don't think it's a two parter, but I like that. I'm very excited by this idea that this whole series has been like setting up these pairs of episodes. Some of them are two-parters, some of them are just like this. I, I don't know how you would classify these two episodes, like a like a, um, a partnership, perhaps? They're partner episodes? A like, coalition. Yeah, like, like you mentioned, The Lodger and uh, Closing Time are both episodes that clearly one uh, made the other possible. They're clearly like, sequel! This is like a sequel episode. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a two-parter. Uh, I really like that. I really like that. Because I just think that it's time that Doctor Who did something thematic like that and spent more time on two-parters. If you listen to the previous episode, you'll know I love two-parters. <laughs> I love them. Anyway.
0: As long as the story isn't spreading too thin. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. And yours is the less is more.
1: Less is always more. Not to say that you need less story, but I think more focus on a centralized conflict or a one strange premise... Uh, if you use it adequately, can mine a whole lot of story if you use it well, instead of throwing a bunch of strange premises at an episode and intending to fill up an entire two-parter with a never-ending stream of unusual things, which is what I think the problem was in the opening episode of this season. Was that The Magician's Apprentice? Yes. The Magician's Apprentice. I felt like... Now, I don't think... Oh, are we... I'm sorry, I've just... Here, ask a question, or I'm going to start ranting about this next thing.
0: Okay, well, what I wanted to actually ask is, do you think... Not do you think, rip off this. Mm. So you said more focus on a centralized thing, which in this case would possibly be the theme of immortality?
1: Yeah. Yeah? I think so. The human struggles that come out of being immortal. But not just immortal... Her specific kind of immortal.
0: Where you fix yourself, or where you don't age, or...
1: Because she's different. She's a different immortal than Captain Jack Harkness, uh, who's the other major immortal human we've met in this series. Uh, Both of them live forever, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, but Jack can literally like get his head chopped off and live. Any... He can
0: be exploded, and his bones are going to reconnect. I that's love right. oh my that gosh. sequence. I, mean, I love it. it's
1: torturous for him, like that. Oh, that it, in Torchwood when they like burned him a lot, and then like he regenerated inside the cement. I, yes. that's yes. insane, and it's like it's the worst torture one can imagine. That character is so tragic. By the time they're through with him in Torchwood, but Maisie Williams' character, Shilda, uh or as she calls herself in this episode, me. Isn't like that. If she gets shot, she, I mean, it doesn't regenerate. And there were a couple times in the episode where they even hinted that she could die if she was murdered. I wasn't sure. I might have just misunderstood that. But, I, like, she got the black... She said she got the black plague. Mm-hmm. And she got better, mm-hmm. but first she almost nearly died. She's not an immortal due to, like, the pure magic of the universe like Jack is. She's an immortal because just her immune system is perfect now. Right. Which has its own set of problems. And because the only difference between her and a normal human is that her immune system has been, like, perfected to the point where she never has to die, she doesn't remember everything like Jack does. Mm -hmm. Like, Jack, Jack, I guess when you look back at him, Jack is a pretty unrealistic character.
0: I'm sorry, wait a minute. In the world of Doctor Who?
1: I don't know, maybe.
0: Um, Unrealistic. I don't know what you're saying. I watched this completely for the realism.
1: Jack's, like, the perfect immortal as, like, you would dream to be immortal, I I mean, even in that, it's the most tragic, heartbreaking thing, because I think one constant theme of Doctor Who is, you don't want to be immortal. This is the worst. Yep, yep. But, Ashilda is even worse than Jack. She can't remember a lot, she can still get hurt, Uh, she heals, I think, I don't know if she heals at normal speed or not. But My
0: guess is she heals. I mean, if only maybe because it's faster. Tech, it's gotta be a little bit faster.
1: But it's not perfect immortality. No. Like she said, she mentioned several times that if it weren't for the extensive journals she keeps, which I should point out, we never see her writing and. Uh, but, if it weren't for her extensive journals, she wouldn't remember half the shit that's happened to her over like eight hundred years or however long and it's she been.
0: deliberately takes out some memories that are too painful
1: yeah we don't we never find out what that is. She keeps in losing her children because right. she needs that pain to remind her not to do it again. We never find out what was so bad. I suspect it might have been, like, going back to her village and not knowing anyone. I
0: don't know. Or, like, seeing her dead family.
1: Yeah, or, yeah, like, seeing... And they don't know her. Right. Oh, man, that'd be insane. Or
0: even, like, they think she's a ghost and, like, run her out of town. I was a little disappointed
1: we never got to find out. It seemed like a big obligatory incident was finding out uh, what was on those pages, but... I don't know. I guess the writers just respected her character enough to just let her have that. Oh,
0: see, so yeah, I thought that was a Moffat thing where it was Maybe. just like, "Ha ha! You don't get a no. It's irrelevant." But I'm gonna make a big deal out of it. Yeah, that's yeah. stupid. Ah, rah, rah. Ah, ah.
1: So yeah, uh, th- I think that that was the central thing of this episode was uh, the human drama between these two immortals. And once I'm saying human drama, even though I know the Doctor is a quote unquote, I'm using air quotes like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Doctor is an alien, but he's not. In the storytelling world, in the the way that human beings hear stories, and I think that if you listened to the previous episode, you'll probably know that my view of Doctor Who is very heavily influenced by, like, writing theory and narrative theory. And I think that, uh, saying someone's an alien is just an excuse for us to write a different kind of human. That's all, like, everything, all that human beings care about, we're the most narcissistic creatures. All we care about in any story is humans. If you tell a story about a cup, we're telling the story of what would it be like if a human being was a cup, you An know? cup. Not even necessarily. Just, like, what if a human, yeah, any, so the doctor is just, like, this person with this different set of things that he has to deal with. So it's about two people dealing with immortality. It's funny
0: you say that. It's funny you say that thing about humanity and aliens, because I feel like what they've set up for this Doctor is that he is the most quote-unquote alien of the most recent Doctors, Mm -hmm. and that he is so detached from his humanity. But ever since the episode, The Magician's Apprentice, the episode where Davros is like challenging his compassion, he's become more human, he hugs now.
1: He hugs now. He hugs It's a him. big deal. Yeah, or like... <laughs> getting used to hug.
0: Or he's sir, trying to get this character to find her compassion again. She's trying to get Lady Me. And he doesn't have Clara this time to do the caring for him. Oh, that
1: was great. I love... I'm so glad that we got a Companion Light episode. Me
0: too! Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't miss Clara the slightest.
1: I didn't really no. either. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air. It was nice seeing her at the end, though. It was nice seeing her come back and, like, having that moment where the Doctor's like, I missed you. Is that what he said? Did he say I missed you?
0: Um, I He said something like that. He said
1: something sweet. And I'm like, oh, he probably really did. And I thought that it was really cool, like, him and uh, Ashilda, me, talking about, like, the Mayflies and how they need them. They, like, we really got to see that in action in a big way. It wasn't just idle talk. It was, like, active. They were saying, this is why you need people like that. They let, like, Ashilda has lived 900 years. She never gave her chip to anyone else. So she's watched as everyone died, just like the Doctor would, without companions. She's been unattached. She's completely lost perspective of what it's like to be a normal person, like the Doctor in the Water of Mars almost. I don't know. Nah, that's Or that's even that's like a First Doctor.
0: Yeah. Because First Doctor only traveled with Susan. And yeah. anyone who... Have you ever seen a Susan yeah, episode? Yeah. She's awful. Mm-hmm. She is my least favorite companion. Like, I will take Clara for the next mm-hmm. 10 years if it means I never have to watch a Susan episode again. <laughs> and luckily, I just got past Susan, so it's okay. But it, it, she becomes very similar to that, where she doesn't quite understand compassion. She feels free that she she can leave people behind because yeah. she doesn't need people. Because if she gets close, they're gonna die right. anyway.
1: And then the doctor, who even though they're like they're speaking as equals, the same way here. Oh, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> I said my own thought was I'm such a jerk. Um, this is interesting. Wait till you hear my thought. Um, they were they're speaking as equals in my mind the same way like, a tenured professor would speak to a high schooler, you know? Like, they're equals in that they're on the same wavelength. They're both of the same species. But the Doctor is still above her in, like, experience. They're both, uh, the same in that, like, she can relate to the Doctor in a way no one else in this universe almost can. Because they're both immortals. And yet, he's had to learn the hard way that... Uh, and we haven't gotten to see this, sadly, but he has assumably, back when he was a young immortal, young, quote-unquote, uh, that you need to keep the Mayflies around to keep your perspective. Mm-hmm. And then when Clara comes in at the end of the episode, it's really, in my mind, it was super, like, fitting. It was like, Mayfly, you need her. Mm-hmm. This is important. Well,
0: it's like Donna says in the Runaway Bride episode, which is my favorite Christmas special, she says, you need someone to save you from yourself. You can't mm-hmm. be alone because when she shows up, he's is right after Rose's. Oh, up, so he murders everything. Yeah.
1: He murders everything.
0: He lets all the spider babies die. Let them die. Uh, kills them. Uh, he
1: stands there. He just stares at
0: it. With the rain. Right. The rain. It's just water. Water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rain and gift comes later.
1: And then the giant puppet spider's like, ah! <laughs> the doctor's like, eat it, bitch.
0: Sarah Parrish, it's great, come on. But yeah, yeah. anyway, so th- for him to reverberate back now, later on, that no, mm-hmm. you need people because blah, 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 blah. I've been there,
1: I've done that. Mm-hmm. It's not good.
0: It's really nice to see, especially from this particular doctor. Like David Tennant, he can make friends with anybody. Yeah. Peter Capaldi can't, no. his doctor. Clearly, Peter Capaldi is a wonderful <laughs> human. Who, by the way, was like, who's a huge Game of Thrones fan. I know you don't watch the show. What?
1: I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: but he was really excited for Maisie Williams to come on. Oh, that's
1: cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, really yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, and but I will say, once in this episode, this whole episode was pretty much just like dialogue between the two of them, and they had really great dialogue, and I thought the character of me was written really well, but Maisie Williams' performance didn't quite do it for me.
1: I agree. I agree once again. Um,. I like that this episode was. It was almost like a play. There was very little in this episode that uh, would distinguish it as like something that had to be on television. The only exception being the obligatory like <laughs> alien attack That's right the at last the end. second. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I would agree. I would agree really a lot with that. It seemed like um, the things they were talking about were really interesting. I don't even know if it was her fault. Because I can, kinda, I can see the choices she was making, and I really I get what she was trying to do. I think it's interesting. I think it's smart. Maybe she wasn't right for the part. And nice. I, know, I, I don't think that's what people want to hear, because everyone was so excited about Maisie Williams coming on Doctor Who. But I, what I think is that the part called for someone else.
0: I agree, which is why I was wondering. I said this previously, if they wrote these episodes first and then cast her mm. or if they wrote them with her in mind. I don't and I don't know.
1: I think she I think she was too young as a character, as a person, as an actress. Um I think she was too young as an actress and she comes off as too like in this new episode in The Woman Who Lived a fascinating character development on the part of the writers, who, it should be noted, this is the first female writer since, what, season four?
0: Uh, and sh- the year 2008. I looked it up. Yeah. A new- it's the Sontaran strategy of yeah, yeah. Well, the Well, she blew the it out
1: of the park. She killed it. She did a great job. Let's get more women in there. Um,
0: Moffat, let's get more women in there! Come on, Moffat! This woman also wrote for a lot of Torchwood episodes. Good. And I love Torchwood, so... <laughs> Get it. Get it, Kat.
1: Well, I think the right She totally did a great job. I think that... Uh, here was, here's something that was really fascinating. Is that over the course of those 800 years or whatever it was that Ashilda was on her own, she really did... Like, you can see tiny, tiny, tiny little traces of who she used to be. But she's become a totally new person. And I think we needed an actress who could sell that. Who could uh, really show us, like, I'm the same age... But I've lived 800 years. I've seen some shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not the same girl I was. I've not, I have don't even recognize the name Ashilda. I don't recognize that name. And when Maisie Williams did it, I think... And it's not her fault. I'm not saying this is your fault, Maisie. I think you're great, and I'm sure Game of Thrones is good. But I think just the nature of who she is as an actress, she looks young. Uh, she sounds young. And even when she's delivering what are some of the most... Um, Nihilistic, or... Uh, well, she had some, like, uh... What's, what's the word? Like, mean, or... Like, uh, tinge lines? They sounded to me like... I, I didn't buy them. I, I, yeah. I didn't buy them. I don't know what the word for that is. Ingenuine. I used that earlier.
0: Yeah. Well, I think... The thing is, in Game of Thrones, she, her character, Arya, definitely does become what I think they were shooting for in Ashilda. This very... This character devoid of attachment. Mm-hmm. This character, I mean, because in Game of Thrones, she is very, like, singular minded to, like, murder a group of people who have oh, harmed cool. her and her family. That's neat. That's not a <laughs> spoiler. That's, That's
1: a not, spoiler. it's like right off the bat, we know. BT <laughs>
0: dub. It's not really a spoiler.
1: Okay. It's just trust
0: me. <laughs> that, that kind of detachment and that kind of gravity that comes with that is something Maisie Williams can do. She can do it. But I agree that she was kind of miscast in this episode, because...
1: I didn't didn't feel it.
0: Well, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel, like, the period uh, from her. Like, I didn't buy her as a highwayman for a second. No, I didn't. So...
1: And I mean, like, who believes, raise your hand, everyone out there listening, everyone who believed that that highwayman wasn't Maisie Williams... I mean, like, even the mask looked like it was made of felt. It was just like, oh no.
0: Oh, but those cosplays are gonna be so good. Oh, they're
1: gonna be great. Those are gonna be good cosplays. Uh,
0: <laughs> I should I mean so many tricorn hats are about to show up.
1: Imagine this. Imagine if they had cast an actress who was uh, I don't know I don't know Maisie Williams' real age. Uh, I, I I would if I had I mean, to she's guess eighteen. She's eighteen? If I had to guess her age based on these two episodes, I would say sixteen. Maybe fifteen. Uh, in the first episode, I would be comfortable saying fifteen, and in the second episode, never having seen Game of Thrones or anything, I would say, yeah, maybe sixteen or seventeen. I don't think she looks eighteen. Imagine if you got someone who looked like she was eighteen, and I, I don't want I like I don't I don't want to turn this into like a gender stereotype thing, but like an old eighteen. Like, someone who could pass for 20 if they had to. I'm trying to think of an example. Well, the, um, um,
0: the girl who plays Sansa Stark on the show, her sister, Sophie... I want to say Sophie Turner, um, would have been great in this episode. In this two-parter, actually, because Older sister? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah, think so. because she can play both very young and very old. I mean, there's a whole... Someone
1: who can play an older teen. Because that's what I think we're after. I think that we, were, we need someone who can play... Both very young. And you said that Maisie Williams can do it. I didn't see it, so I don't believe it. but well, it's
0: not that... The thing is, though, like, the gravitas she has as Arya Stark comes from a very young place. Like, you know, when you're young and you're angry at the uh, world yeah. and you're angsty? Okay. It's rooted in that. It's not rooted in a maturity that...
1: Like, you... I've lived 900 years.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so in this episode, I think that what they expect... And didn't come across because she is so youthful. I agree that as an actress, I don't know if she can play very Mm -hmm. far outside of that Game of Thrones realm, which isn't her fault. I mean, she's been casting one thing ever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so excited to see where she goes from here. It's exciting. But they've, like, boxed her so tightly into the kind of Arya Stark realm in these episodes. I feel like it didn't benefit anybody. That
1: having been said, uh, I don't want to completely get down on Maisie. I think she did a fine job. I I think uh if I hadn't known that she was famous and been like excited to see this Maisie Williams I heard so much about, I would have been like, "Ah, eh, she did okay. That well, was
0: fine." I also feel like they could have played to other strengths and like given her other characters that would have been amazing. Like there's something mm-hmm. she could have excelled at, but they just wrote her these episodes.
1: Yeah. She could have played one of the uh, one of the lake people in the last episode.
0: Honestly, that would have been great. Have if been she great. had played like a scientist and just if, like come
1: on. Women can be scientists.
0: Hey, there have actually been a lot of women scientists. <laughs> there
1: have been. That's um,
0: true. because Osgood is coming back next episode, by the way. What? Yes. Are you serious? Next episode of just got like, uh, Oh that's
1: right, that's right. Osgood is I keep forgetting. I when you say Osgood sometimes I think Oswin Oswald. But yeah, Osgood's coming back. How do you feel about that?
0: Um, I'm super stoked, I thought she was great, and... This I one... thought she was
1: dead, personally. I thought
0: she was dead, too, but, I mean, this is Mafia. Don't you know that nobody dies? Nobody
1: dies. No one ever dies. There's no consequences. There's no consequences to anyone's actions in this Because universe.
0: nobody can die.
1: No one can die. The doctor can do anything. That was a very powerful moment in The Girl Who Died, when the doctor goes like, I can do anything. But he didn't say it in a way like, like, we would say Like, I can do anything. I can run to the store. He's like, I can literally do anything. And you believe it because it's like, I guess you really can. He's like, and it makes you realize retroactively. I think that's the power to it. You're like, he can do anything. He's really actually smart enough that he could do anything. Look at all the things he didn't do. Look at all the things he could have done but didn't.
0: So are you saying him saying that was also, like, understanding the responsibility? Because we've seen him do things Waters of Mars. Yeah. And it's not gone well. Yeah.
1: I, I guess it, it in this episode, like, just within the context of this episode, it's kind of whatever. But I think it had a huge effect on me because of the retroactive implications it had. Like, just that moment of realization, like, this man, I mean, if he wanted to, he could burn the universe, he could save anyone, he could do anything, but he doesn't. It's really it's really powerful.
0: It's the difference re- between him and the Master, yeah. and why the Master is, I say this all the time, it's my favorite villain. This character, me, keeps right. asking the Doctor to take her with him, and he right. won't do it. No. And I think it's for similar reasons that he can't really be with the Master anymore, is he sees too much of himself in that person. It's like you were saying oh, about wow. the Mayflies, too, is you need to have someone with you, but you also need to have someone with you who's going to stop you, who's going to be that foil, who's going to... And who
1: understands that life is fleeting and the moment matters.
0: But is also willing to, like, stand up to you, and yeah. she's not going to do that. It's the same reason he can't take, um... River? Lady, Di- um, Lady Christine D'Souza? Souza.
1: Yeah, I remember. From
0: the Planet of the Dead episode?
1: I'm so sorry. What were we talking about? We were talking about... Uh, we were talking about immortality. She keeps asking the doctor to go traveling with him, and he says no every time. And I think that it, I think it's caused by many things. I think it's a... Re- he, he wants to. He wants to. Because, I mean, he understands that this is his fault, and he understands her predicament, and he thinks that... He even thinks that it's unfair that he's an immortal, but he gets to... Do whatever he wants. Go wherever he wants. Get whatever he wants. Well, she has to take the long road through the world's suffering. I think he understands all that, but there's just too many reasons he can't. There's the immortal thing. He can't be traveling with another immortal for one. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest one. Also that she, she just, she doesn't understand. She's not trying to travel for the right reasons. She has to deal with her own stuff. There's just, It's too complicated. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it! Even though he... I think he wants to. He wants to help her.
0: He definitely wants to help her. I mean, because that's why he saves her in the first place. As you said previously, he's the doctor. He saves people. I I mean, as he says in that previous episode.
1: Oh,
0: because the big thing with immortality is, like, do you have to eat or drink? Like, just... Or sleep? Like, very basic things. And she probably does, because...
1: She's still a person. Like, she's like a very... She's a very human, immortal person. Right.
0: Well, when Jack doesn't, And Jack says, like, I don't have to. Or even when they talk about, um, in Torchwood, when they have Owen, when Owen can't die and he can't Mm. eat or drink, he's just, like, decomposing slowly. Like, very basic human things he can no longer engage in. Um, those are big problems in those immortalities. But in this one, like, she's just living a life, and she just happens to wake up every day for 900 years. I love that she had a Malcolm Gladwell moment where she was like, you can master any skill with 10,000 hours.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's funny.
0: Yeah, it's just that she's now, like, so good at everything, because she's been around for so long. We didn't get
1: to see any of it, though. Mm -hmm. And that, once again, in my mind, if we don't, if it doesn't happen, it's not real. She says that with her mouth. She's like, 10,000 hours. I'm the best shooter in the world. But we don't even get to see her shoot in a flashback. She never, does she ever shoot in this episode?
0: I don't think so. No.
1: She takes out a gun. She never shoots it. So I don't think, we never got a demonstration of that. So that's just empty words to me.
0: Which is a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of Chekhov's guns. Yeah. Often in Doctor Who nowadays where it's like, we talk about this thing and you never see it again. But that's. That's bad storytelling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I do theater, really? so for me, like.
1: I just. I, it's such a strange coincidence. I just heard someone talk about Chekhov's gun, I think, yesterday. And I hadn't heard of it before that.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, Chekhov's gun is a great storytelling device.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it can be and... so slight, too. So I also have things like speaking of Chekhov's gun and things coming back, the sunglasses are back.
1: Some, um, inexplicably. No explanation. I guess, I mean, it sh- does show. It might have been used as a device to show that time has passed for the doctor. Like, he didn't go straight from Viking-era Norse place to there. Like, things have happened. He had time to make new sunglasses.
0: At some point, he had to take some girl to meet Winston Churchill. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I like. I mean, Winston Churchill showing up in and out. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I have this note that says the juxtaposition of the doctor's respect for life and me's disregard for it, and I don't know what that was in reference to.
1: Oh, I think it's a it's a central theme of the episode. Yeah. I think that, but it's not something, it's not something permanent. It's something that they're exploring in the moment. Assumably, here's what I really like. It's almost, I don't think they explored it much in the episode, but it's something fun to think about, that it's almost like the doctor interacting with what might have been his younger self. Like, how old is she? How old is she? 900,
0: 800, 900.
1: 800 or 900? That's about how young he was when he first started traveling. Yeah. So this is like Doctor talking back to another younger Doctor and being like, listen, I didn't used to have much respect for life either, but I learned that all life is precious. Mm-hmm. Theme, theme, theme.
0: Well, and I'm thinking when I write disregard, it's not that she's just willy-nilly like, life is dumb. Like, I think she actually she has... She just doesn't
1: care. Yeah,
0: she it's doesn't. like they're
1: going to be dead tomorrow anyway.
0: But it's not like she's willy-nilly killing people anyway because no. of that. Like, I think... When I write disregard, I mean she's disregarding the things that we as normal mortals that we need <laughs> to get through our daily lives. Like, we need companionship. Yeah. We need a purpose. And she doesn't have one. That's what she says at the ending is, now I have a purpose. I have to fix your messes. And that kind of sends her on a different trajectory.
1: Yeah. As a I don't p- know how that's going to turn out. We'll see what she means by that.
0: I would, one, love if she came back. With different writers, maybe? No, I mean the, the writer in this one was great. Uh, yeah, the writer
1: was good. Let's come back with a different actress. No, I'm kidding. No. I'm sorry, Maisie. Um, um, no, think...
0: if she came back as like a big finish audio
1: in the series, or in the series finale,
0: or in the series finale. Ooh, the I the love when they tie things. Yeah,
1: but I don't know. It, it, they'd really have to be very specific about what exactly she does. Because for her not to have, like, popped up by this point in the universe, it would have to be something very specific and also not, like, insulting. But I do, like, I've been reading a little bit about how people thought it was uh, a little bit too good to be true when Clara showed the Doctor that picture at the end and Maisie Williams was in the back. I loved it. I got chills. I'm like, oh, my God. Because she's staring
0: oh. straight at the camera. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's she's so, so crazy. disconcerting.
1: so and you're just like, "Oh my God, she happened to be oh, oh oh, And the thing is like she might have been in a lot of pictures, but there was never a reason to notice before.
0: I'm wondering if because okay, so I as established if you listened to the previous episode, I think Claire was gonna die. yeah, so I and I think the downfall is going to be a huge wind up that is all Claire is doing, so it would be great if a shielder like had to come back. Mm-hmm and fix the mess that is going to be Clara's do for the series. Oh,
1: boy, I don't... Like.
0: I have such high hopes, and I know they're all um, going to be ruined. My
1: hopes are high, too. My hopes are... High. We've... This season, this season has a really great trajectory. I will say, with every passing episode, we uh, the settings become more intimate, the characters more interesting and fleshed out, uh, more and more about human drama, and less and less about some weird time loophole that Moffat tries to come up with. That's the direction that I would want the series to move in if I was showrunner. I've said it many times. I mean, you see some of these old episodes, some of these old episodes from the classic era, and the Doctor is just another character sometimes, like just this character who shows up and influences the story that's unfolding. Why not have more of that? And we can always end the series on a big Doctor Who saves the universe theme, you know?
0: Yeah. But every episode of him saving the universe does get kind of old.
1: It does. It really does. Yeah. I just took a sip of water. That's why I sounded uh, James lipton It does. It does more. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. What? Oh, sorry. Do you mind if I ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of how um, quickly me seemed to regain her humanity right at the end?
0: Um... Uh... You mean when they have to save Sam Swift?
1: Like, no, just before that. Just before that. She's like, she's willing to kill Sam Smith. She's so got Swift. all the... Sam Swift. Because, Sam Swift?
0: Because his name is Sam Swift the Quick. Yeah. And the doctor makes fun of him for it <laughs> when he's, when they get captured by Sam Swift. Especially because that, the doctor was like, no puns and no banter. And then the end, Sam Swift is nothing but puns. Puns and
1: banter funny it's funny that was a good part i like that <laughs> i really like that um oh, what was i about to say yeah yeah she's like she, she's barreling down this road of like i don't care about life anymore take me to a new universe lion man <laughs> it's like aslan is the evil guy that's
0: right? what i was thinking yeah. Face fire breathing <laughs>
1: well they're like they're barreling down this road if
0: only liam neeson was in that
1: costume even to the point where like Doctor... The doctor saves Sam. Uh, and she's like, oh, screw it, whatever. And she murders him. And then suddenly, Lion Man starts attacking people. And literally, like, on a dime, she's suddenly like, oh, wait, I care. It's literally like that part in, at the end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey where he, like, feels his face. He's like, I'm leaking. What's heart- this feeling inside me? It's like, there's no build up to it. I think if they... Maybe it's a directing problem. If they had just put in a few seconds of her and maybe like flashing back and remembering something, like maybe what was on those pages, or making some sort of connection, something different to give us a reason why this act of violence is what really reminded her that she still cares about life. Because as it is, it just seemed very sudden and unexplained.
0: I don't have any notes about it, which means it didn't really bother me, and I'm wondering if that's because... What I think turned her back is that suddenly she wasn't the only one in danger. Like, she doesn't care because she is going to... I don't know.
1: Well, no, she maybe... murdered someone. She
0: murdered someone, but now she's also responsible for murdering a whole town of people, and maybe that triggers some flashbacks to when she was in the Viking village. Or maybe she understands that she's responsible for not only this town, but for the world, and it goes back maybe, to that.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe
0: it's her sense of betrayal oh, sh- that kicks in, like the the lo- Leandro the lion. Evelyn. I would buy that.
1: I would like that seems to be the one differentiating factor between these deaths and the other deaths that this one is caused by betrayal. But that's not the, what she plays. She plays like, oh, I've become me again. You know and the what? doctor, like, stops everything, doesn't bother to save anyone, he's like, welcome back, let's stare at each other for a while while <laughs> the lions are doing their thing.
0: I'd say that's a dirty problem right there, but <laughs> the the other times when people had her her dying, that's just, like, her living through history.
1: Well, she she was also in the war, where she killed countless people,
0: according yeah. to her. well, yeah, the war, was that the Hundred Years' War or the War of 1812?
1: <laughs> was she war, was in some somewhere. war.
0: Was once again like a part of history. Like, what was she gonna do? This was actually caused by her direct action of trying to get out for selfish reasons.
1: Maybe, maybe. If that's the case, then they should have made it clearer, because it seemed like in the episode, literally the shot they used, I think, when she made her realization, was a it was a wide angle shot from like inside the crowd looking out, like, looking up yeah. at her, and she's, like, spinning around like, oh, I'm affected for the first time. That seems like the kind of shot, this is another directorial note, um...
0: That should have been a close It should, up. Have been, uh,
1: necessar- a should have been, not necessarily, maybe a close-up, certainly showing her perspective, showing something about her change instead of, like, someone else from afar looking on, you know? Also, uh, no, never mind, that doesn't matter.
0: Well... I find that I, this problem that you're having in this episode, I find I have in a lot of previous episodes, specifically in the Capaldi era, and it Mm. has to, for me, and I harp on this a lot...
1: I um, want to hear your harp.
0: Well, um, I'm going to make it short just for the sake of people who, like my mother, who listens to every episode. Hi,
1: Mama Melissa.
0: And then my mom, Mrs. Melissa's mommy, thank you very Mrs. much. Mrs.
1: Melissa's mommy, I love it. Which
0: was straight up what she was called for about two years in high school. <laughs> <laughs> By all my friends, as Mrs. Melissa's mom. <laughs> That's you so
1: fun. You
0: Sonic. <laughs> that was her name for oh. a long time. Anyway, so, I because the villains are put into the episode at the very end, and they're almost like an afterthought to be like, oh, by the way, this is still an alien show. We still have an alien. He's here for five minutes and he's gone because he's not actually part of the main theme. Or he's mm-hmm. only a catalyst for the main theme. or the. He's an excuse
1: out- to have a story.
0: Exactly. And so, like, I could, you didn't need the lion in this episode at all. Like, you, that was so dumb. But for, because he was there for such a mo- short amount of time, you couldn't invest in that and you couldn't invest in her trying to kill Sam Swift and therefore you couldn't invest in her Swift shift.
1: Swift shift. See sure. I did there? I see what you're saying.
0: So, maybe if they had invested more in her relationship with Leandro, you would have felt more of the betrayal, yeah. instead of they invested in the mystery of it by having him just be glowing eyes, and then...
1: Big yeah. reveal!
0: He's a lion! Yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I get... Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Yes. But, that having been said, to make room for more Leandro stuff, we would have had to do away with some of the Doctor and him talk Doctor and me talking... Which I think we can all agree was super interesting. Though maybe if, like, we had taken some of the stuff that Mia talked about and just had her talk about it with Leandro instead, this could have turned into a very cool, like, play. Like, a drama sort of... Thing. It was... I mean, I've already said that's what it was, but more of a... more characters.
0: I mean, or even if you had just skipped them breaking into the house.
1: Yeah. That was the that was the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get that, like, uh, comical scene in there.
0: Yeah. That was a cute little. Stuff. That was a
1: cute little thing Ugh. when they broke into the house there.
0: Ooh yeah, if she had been telling Leandro some of this stuff, and then like the doctor overheard it as he broke into the house, like, if you had just tweaked it that little bit, that would have been maybe. Maybe. Who knows?
1: Uh, I can't second guess them. But let me say this: let me compliment the makeup department. I thought Leandro was well done.
0: As opposed to the Fisher King. As a, it,
1: I was literally thinking as directly contrasted with the Fisher King.
0: <laughs> What's next? About. What are we doing? Um... Oh, just, like, weird little notes. Like, they had posters of the Doctor as the sidekick all of a sudden. They made those
1: so fast! See? Like, within hours. And they had them, like, <laughs> nicely screen printed? And who's the person who, like, saw that? The only part where the Doctor and, um... What?
0: Oh, the, <laughs> what when they who attacked from- the fanshouse at night, they somehow managed to cobble together an image of, like, a dancing man?
1: Yeah. <laughs> when did they see him? Did they see him when they broke in? Or At did he, night? Did Sam the Swift, like, report them No, because Sam Swift
0: was the one who was like, is this your sidekick or your right. dad? Oh yeah, Oh no
1: sense. When did that happen? And then, uh, they already knew by the time they got to, uh, Mii's house. And they're like, we're here for the doctor. And this person, uh, what was her name?
0: Nightmare, got to the n- K. <laughs>
1: The nightmare, it's like a picture of Maisie Williams, and we're like, we're looking for this person. Have you seen her? And she's like, no, I haven't seen her.
0: Very clearly her. Her. And then you had like the two bumbling guards who were like, we got a 20 pound, bounty on your head. And he's like, I can get you 30 pounds.
1: (laughs) And they betray the lady like that instantly.
0: Money hungry bastards (laughs) for 30 pounds, which granted was worth what, like $3,000? A lot.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a big deal back then. Yeah. What uh, what else happened in this episode? Is there anything else you want to talk about uh, with uh, the girl who... The, sorry, the woman who lives?
0: I do like that the title is the woman who lived as right. opposed to the girl.
1: The girl who died. The woman who
0: lived. And it was written by a woman, which is pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, love that.
0: We need more women writers. I'd love it if this character came back in a different... I mean, even like a book. I'd love it This is what I want. I want Neil Gaiman to write a series of short stories about a shielder... Uh, Fixing the Doctor's Messes. Hmm. Specifically Neil Gaiman, because in, he wrote a book, I can't remember what it's called, Begins with a T, but it's a series of short stories. The scary short stories.
1: Yeah, I know which one you're talking about, I can't remember trigger what it's Trigger Warning. Yep, 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 yep.
0: So in Trigger Warning, there's a Doctor Who short story, and it's so terrifying. It's really good. It's so good.
1: Neil is spatting 50% in Doctor Who episodes right now. The yep. Doctor's Wife was good. Doctor's uh, Wife is
0: one of my favorites.
1: Nightmare in Silver was the opposite. Questionable. Of that. Questionable at best. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is super fun. I love talking about Gifu.
0: I mean, are we? I'm just, just like thinking: Do we need to end this one and just like riff on a totally different thing, or?
1: I'll tell you, I got to pee. I will say I that. Too. <laughs> Please keep that in. Please keep that in the podcast. That my urinary tract is completely full. My bladder is bulging. Mrs. Melissa's mommy. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you a story about my mom later. Okay, Okay, so, I mean, it's not bad. It's just not relevant to this podcast. Uh, So, Colin, do you have anything you'd like to promote before we go to the bathroom? I most
1: certainly do. At separate times. (laughs) Yes, we don't do that. We don't know each other that well. I'm going
0: to go pee in the bathtub.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, if you're listening and you enjoyed this episode, I hope you did, please go check out my podcast. Melissa makes an appearance on episode 14. Uh, We have a great time. We do new, exciting things every week. Uh we just finished Scary Stories in Honor of Halloween and in, in the three weeks we're going to be doing a surprise party for a stranger. It's called Hopelessly Excited with Colin Gossel. Look it up on iTunes or SoundCloud, just type it into Google, hopelessly excited with Colin Gossel or iTunes. It'll be probably the only thing that pops up. And I want you to listen. Please listen. I'd love you. God it'll be so funny and fun and ah, 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 ah. I think I did a pretty good job.
0: Please like Fangirl Gathering on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Do YouTube, it. on SoundCloud. Do it! Or you can follow hashtag Fangirl on Instagram, where I, Melissa, post fun things. We don't have an official Instagram. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, but that's all I got. So if you guys like the podcast, just like it, enjoy it, and stick around for next time.
1: Bye!